Welcome to the Voices in Recovery podcast. Voices in Recovery is produced by Freedom's Path Recovery Society, a registered Canadian charity. If you enjoy the podcast, please consider a donation to Freedom's Path Recovery Society. All donations go directly to assisting Freedom's Path in providing their services free of charge and helps us keep the podcast going. We are grateful for any and all donations. This podcast discusses difficult topics such as childhood abuse, drug and alcohol use, sexuality and sexualized trauma, and more. If you are under the age of 18, please speak with your legal guardian prior to listening. The opinions expressed during the podcast are those of the individual and not those of Voices in Recovery or Freedom's Path or any other organization. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy this podcast. This podcast is being recorded on the traditional land of the Blackfoot Confederacy. This consists of the Kainai, Pekani, Siksika, and the Blackfeet in the U.S. We acknowledge the Stony Nakoda, which consists of the Bearspaw, Morley, and Chinooki. We acknowledge the Satina, Hura Dene, and the Métis, Inuit, status and non-status from all of Turtle Island, and those who are visiting. We are all treaty people. Arthur, thanks for coming in today, man. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Tell us about yourself. Well, I'm Arthur. Uh, I'm a police officer with Calgary Police Service. Right on. Um, uh, well, first of all, thank you very much for having me My and pleasure. for meeting me. Um, um, first time. This is mm-hmm. our second time we're meeting. Um, I'm my wife and I. We are from Belarus. That's okay. Eastern Euro, uh, European country, yeah. uh, right between Russia and Poland. Mm. Um, so I grew up there. We went to high school, university there. That's where I met my wife. Mm-hmm. We got married uh, while we were still at the university. And then uh, I worked there and then we decided to move to Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, and we came to Canada 2012. Uh, we had a two-year-old son at the time. And now we have three boys. Um, and what was it like, my, like coming from Belarus to Canada with a child in tow and like... Yeah, it was, it was tough. Uh, it wasn't an easy decision. We had a decent life there in Belarus, mm-hmm. so it wasn't uh, like we were fleeing something or there was a big problem for us yeah. and uh, we drastically need, needed to come here. Uh, but for family reasons and other political reasons, we just uh, we needed to make that change mm-hmm. for the family. Um, so uh, it wasn't easy. The immigration process itself uh, took us about a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very nerve-wracking uh, process. I would compare it like uh, hiring process with the police agency because mm. uh, you so want stressful. it, you, and you want it so uh, much yeah. that every step is, am I gonna make it? Mm-hmm. So that was a point system with immigration system with um, coming here to Canada. Took us a couple of years. I had to take French from scratch. We had Quebec immigration. Okay. Yeah. Uh, my wife, she uh, spoke French at the time, uh, and we both spoke English. Uh, so I took French at the time. I was working for uh, Belarus uh, Ice Hockey Association, mm-hmm. um, as well as for KHL team Dynamo Minsk. That they when they just started the KHL there. I've actually heard uh, the name of that team, like specifically. Yeah. Before. So yeah. it's in Belarus, and uh, it was part of the big. Uh, Russian Open League, uh, mm-hmm. the KHL, uh, where other different countries took part too. Uh, so something similar to NHL. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was busy. Uh, we had uh, a baby at the time and I was flying a lot. Uh, I was barely at home. I was flying a lot with the team, uh, plus Belarus men's team as well, uh, visiting different European events and world championship. 
Uh, and I had to take French and I was studying French with a tutor and reading books and, and learning on the go, basically at the mm. hotel, on the plane, anywhere I was going, because we wanted that integration so hard that you would do anything. So mm. one year took me with a tutor and I was able to communicate uh, French with the Canadian um, consular um, staff member, yeah. uh, officer uh, at uh, Canadian embassy in Moscow. So that was the final part. Wow. Again, it's honestly, it's like a hiring uh, process with the police agency. Yeah. Sounds you go like it. Step by step, mm -hmm. uh, you get closer and you go through a panel interview. That was yeah. our fate. And he wow. was basically that person, the God, basically, mm -hmm. who was our uh, decision maker of our life. Yeah. We're going to stay here and that way we're going to take or we're mm -hmm. going to go to candidate. It's completely new life. Yeah. So, wow. yeah, he gave us a pass. Uh, the interview was for an hour. And uh, yeah, we both communicated in French and just it was just a simple. Wow. Uh, so in a year you learned passable French. I had to. Yeah. Because yeah. you want it so hard. <laughs> yeah, right? no doubt. Yeah. That's so, awesome. Yeah. That's how we came from Belarus. Mm -hmm. yeah. Cool. And in 2012. Yeah. That's amazing, man. That's yeah. so amazing. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah. So uh, and uh, I ended up, uh, st we ended up staying in, in Quebec just for a little bit. Then I got my first job, um, I call it first serious job here in Canada, uh, with Notre Dame Hockey School, which mm -hmm. is in Wilcox. And that, that school gave me a lot, uh, great reference for mm -hmm. the future, uh, getting hired by a police, Saskatoon Police Service. Mm -hmm. That's where I applied basically one year after being in Canada in 2013, in the fall, I remember I made uh, application with Regina Police Service and mm -hmm. Saskatoon Police Service. So, and I want, uh, uh, sorry, I went up to the final interviews with both agencies, but Saskatoon was faster uh, in decision making and they offered. And so at the time we lived in Regina and then we had to move to Saskatoon mm -hmm. for that. So, yeah, uh, right on. And it's interesting because when we were chatting, when we first sat down together, um, you worked with a friend of ours, a, a mutual friend of ours. Like mm -hmm. I have my closest friend. And Garcia was, is our friend, right? Um, that's just such a small world, eh? It is a small world. Yes, yeah. uh, my neighbor in uh, where uh, we live right now is uh, um, is a Mountie, mm. uh, and uh, when he found out that uh, I worked in Saskatoon, he gave me a couple names that he's really good friends with, mm -hmm. and those people I worked with together on the same team. Oh wow! So that's how the yeah. world is small that's true it yes. is because after i left after i left uh sitting down with you for that coffee i was talking to dominic my friend and i said you'll never know like you'll never guess who i just talked about with somebody and yeah. he said who and i said garcia and he goes that's what because we were talking about him the day before i met with right. you yeah yes. it was it was weird yeah it's a small world it is amazing yeah, yeah. it is pretty cool yeah. sorry i didn't mean to interrupt you but that's no that's all good uh <laughs> so yeah i i never thought i would be working in policing um i worked in hockey mm -hmm. um i went to linguistic university uh nothing close to law enforcement um and i would probably never be had a state in belarus just due mm -hmm. to the political reasons and yeah um the uh yeah the, the political climate uh, but coming to Canada, I didn't realize that uh, as a permanent resident, I could apply. Mm. Um, and then I learned more. And then I realized that um, with municipal police agency, you can apply as a permanent resident in Canada. Uh, so that was a blessing because, uh, again, um, I always looked into military or law enforcement. Mm -hmm. I always liked that lifestyle, uh, discipline. Mm -hmm. um, I always 
thought about it even back in Belarus and uh, yeah I was lucky I applied and as I said took me about from September I think April when I got a call from Saskatoon Police Service where they told me I was hired Mm -hmm. Uh, so half a year uh, was a very nerve-wracking process but uh, here I am uh, five years in Saskatoon in Saskatoon in patrol and coming here to Calgary last year. So can you tell us what it was like uh, when you first started on the job in Saskatoon? Like, I mean, coming from now, of course, I've never been to Belarus, so I have to make up all my my knowledge of it. (laughs) So it just it would seem like it's a drastically different. You mentioned the political climate's different. So the policing must be dramatically different. Yeah, absolutely different. Um, I didn't have a great experience with policing uh, in Belarus when I was in high school and Mm -hmm. I was never arrested. Uh, but just the interaction. Um, Mm -hmm. Growing up as a kid, uh, I just remember that there was never a trust uh, with police and you were always scared of police officer. Um, And uh, I I remember living in an apartment building, that's where a majority of people live in in Belarus, in in big cities. Minsk is a big city, two million people, capital. Um, And we constantly were hearing domestic going on and violent domestic Mm -hmm. um, from the neighbors. Uh, but people never reported to police because they would never come. We just knew that. So mm-hmm. that was just a pattern. So people would deal with it themselves. We okay. would, um, some good neighbors who would know their neighbors better, they would just go in, break the fight, and maybe have a drink with them. Mm-hmm. And that was the outlet for families. Yeah. So there was no law. Basically, people would just deal with it themselves. So um, wait a minute. So the police don't come for domestics? Yeah, they would uh, take their long time. They wouldn't come or they would come and just blame somebody else or mm-hmm. would just uh, you, you, you will call them and they will say, well, stop calling. It's uh, yeah, there was, I just remember I, I never as a kid or as a teenager uh, would know um, the, the law itself. Mm-hmm. So how it necessarily works. But just growing up, I remember that my parents never called them. Yeah. Uh, neither did other people and so uh, myself so they were mm-hmm. just growing up yeah like wow. people were dealing with it themselves right it makes it, sense if you're sca- if people are scared of them though yes right? absolutely For because sure. there was never uh, trust in that system mm-hmm. right so uh, and uh, if you're drunk for example they would t- take you to a drunk tank even if you're regardless of what status in life you are mm-hmm. what kind of person violent respectful disrespectful you're drunk, that's, uh, that's just one way for them. And they take you to a drunk tank and you stay there for the night and then they'll send uh, uh, a memo to your employer and uh, in, the, in the company or wherever you work, all other employees would know. So there would be like a stigma almost, like oh, that you're, wow. you, you were drunk, you were caught by police, yeah. taken to a drunk tank, so you're a drinker, basically, mm. yeah. It, the, the way they dealt with it, and it, it's interesting you ask me because when I went through the process, my uh, ride along with Regina police, because I uh, my proce- uh, process was with both Regina and Saskatoon police, mm-hmm. uh, my ride along was right at the end, right before the panel interview. Mm-hmm. And I remember that evening uh, when I was going for the ride along, it was a night shift. My wife, um, we, I, I, I'll never forget, uh, we lived in a condo and she asked me, I'm nervous and scared. And I said, why? And she said, well, because what if you don't like it? Mm-hmm. And I caught myself. I was so, it was almost like a cold shower. Mm-hmm. It was like, that's true. I'm so 
in a way happy, emotional that I'm in Canada going through the process. I'm at the final stage. Mm -hmm. You know, for me, it was um, um, I kind of checked off that uh, point that uh, automatically policing in Canada is great. Mm -hmm. Not knowing anything about it, yeah. it's perfect. And then when my wife asked me about that and told me that I'm not mm -hmm. sure if you would like it or not, um, I um, I was kind of nervous yeah. going to that ride along because I was at the end. Uh, here is my final interview, mm -hmm. and that's going to be our life after that, right? Yeah. <laughs> so I went for the uh, ride along. I spent all 12 hours uh, um, during the shift with a guy and a girl, patrol officers. And I remember the call we, um, uh, about a drunk person. So we, uh, we found that uh, drunk male, he was walking. Um, you could tell he's drunk. He was barely walking. Uh, so not that they just dealt with him respectfully, and, um, mm -hmm. but they showed their care about that person. Mm -hmm. So in care I meant, um, they placed him in the back of our car. They had not under arrest, but they asked him the name, uh, where he lived, and they uh, said that we're gonna drive you home. Mm -hmm. Is anybody home can take care of you? So we drove him home. And another moment that struck me is that officers um, walked the male up to his porch, to his house, to the doors. And then later on when I asked why we're all doing that, because for me it was like, well, it's kind of babysitting. It's mm -hmm. weird. Like, why would police do that? Yeah. But then they, re they, they just said, well, because he's drunk, if he falls down or something happens to him, mm -hmm. he's in our uh, care. Uh, so we need to make sure that he makes it home mm -hmm. safe. And, um, and uh, that, that was the culmination for me. I thought that's just like in a fairy tale. To mm -hmm. this day, when people ask me, how is it policing in Canada? Uh, ask me from Belarus, my friends or relatives, I say like in a fairy tale and they ask, what do you mean in a fairy tale? I'm like, well, everything is just perfect. <laughs> that's how I, that's yeah. how I took this. And no, I was impressed. And mm -hmm. I came home, I remember I didn't sleep. I was just yeah. so emotional and happy and telling my wife the stories and, uh, and telling her what we went through and how we dealt with that uh, drunk guy. And she was just blown away too. And I said, yes, this is exactly mm -hmm. what I want to do. This is my fate. Yeah. And yeah, no, I, that right along. And I think that's why now going through the process, uh, going through work, I think that right along is very important before, I mm -hmm. think the process, that's where people will, uh, um, uh, will see what the real policing is mm -hmm. on the job, on the field. Yeah. And because sometimes, you know, younger people or just people in general, regardless of their age, when they're deciding to change career, become police officer, they may think something different mm -hmm. about policing if they yeah. never, you know, uh, went through the process mm -hmm. uh, or just went on a ride along. So, yeah. yeah. And they wouldn't have the comparisons either, right? Yes. Like most of us here wouldn't have comparisons because in Canada, at least anyway, um, a, big, a large percentage of the indigenous population is scared of the police. Yes. Right. Yes. So, but that's not the whole population. That creates such a different dynamic, hey? Right. When you're not running into everyone who's scared of you. Hundred percent. Yeah. And I think um, uh, we are absolutely. Um, you know, the time is changing, and just knowing the history with the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, the history how it mm -hmm. started first initially, and the older relationship with Indigenous people. Mm -hmm. But then the government was different too at the time, right? Mm -hmm. So. Um, and um, and it's the, it's very fragile. That's why I think for us uh, every day 
uh, every impact that we make on uh, interaction with the public, mm -hmm. uh, on their perception of us, that's very important because yeah. then they will carry it on and tell their, it's like word of mouth. Mm -hmm. They'll tell their friends or relatives how they, yeah. their dealing with police was and that's mm -hmm. crucial. But I can see how it can be, it's yeah. very fragile. It's that's very right, fragile. That's a good yeah. point. Fragile is a good way to describe it. I said indigenous people of Canada, but also like black people and people mm -hmm. of color. I wasn't trying to exclude anyone because right. I know there's, and there, I mean, there's lots of people who are afraid, right? Mm -hmm. But I think, I just think it would be so dramatically different when 100% of the people are afraid, right? Like that, that kind of changes yeah. the whole dynamic of policing period, right? Like you can't be as respectful and because people are running away. <laughs> Absolutely. Right. And you know, it's interesting you bring it up because for me, uh, again, when I went to ride along and went through the process, started working. For me, when I was telling people like policing here is like in a fairy tale, to me, mm -hmm. it was really perfection. Mm -hmm. So when um, as society we're having these issues nowadays, uh, to me, it's a very it's a very small issue. That's mm -hmm. how I take it because comparing mm -hmm. to what I had, where I'm coming from, mm -hmm. um, and I'm indeed happy that we have those moments because that's uh, the ability to go through these moments to talk about them together respectfully mm -hmm. and move forward and change for the better. That's how the free democratic society works. Mm -hmm. So uh, if everything was just perfect uh, and nothing would happen, uh, then it just doesn't make sense. Then mm -hmm. we're dead. Like we're alive yeah. people, right? So everybody uh, makes mistakes mm -hmm. and that's how we learn for, uh, from these mistakes, yeah. uh, just working together. Mm -hmm. So that's exactly what's happening with the. Um, uh, the BLM movement or mm -hmm. indigenous uh, relationship between government or policing mm -hmm. and, and indigenous people in Canada. Because I, I worked five years on patrol in Saskatoon and um, I, I would say half of the city is almost uh, indigenous mm -hmm. population. Um, there are lots of reserves around mm -hmm. uh, and I took some courses, uh, I took cultural course and I was interested that I even had an app of uh, Cree language so mm -hmm. I could talk, you know, uh, oh, wow. in Cree and just say simple yeah. words like, yeah. hello, how are you? And I went to sweat lodges to mm -hmm. there and really loved the culture, amazing yeah. culture. And uh, um, that's the beauty of it in Canada that we can openly can learn from each other and take mm -hmm. the best of it and move together as society successfully. Mm -hmm. So when those moments arise, absolutely between policing and uh, public, um, absolutely, it's very disappointing when mm -hmm. there are some incidents, but I do believe that uh, that's how we learn from these moments, yeah. right? If everything was just perfect, it just something is wrong then. Yeah, right? well, something well, is how, hidden or covered. Exactly. How would you have known that to, to take the courses, to go and to do the extra work, right? Because it is extra work mm -hmm. to go and do sweats, to go to ceremony, to get the information and try to absorb some of that information to help change our perspective, right? Mm -hmm. Um, the person at yourself, you have to actually do it. Absolutely. Right? Yeah, you have to be number one, open-minded. That's, mm -hmm. that's what I can see a lot uh, in not just police officers, but there are other people who are, uh, and I don't know what it is, ignorance, arrogance, or they just so stuck with their opinion, what mm -hmm. they think they're right. Uh, but I, I think that's the mistake. If you open up your mind towards something new, um, and, and make an um, attempt to learn about it and mm -hmm. just open your mind, open your heart, be respectful and take the best of it. Like yeah. you don't have to, it doesn't say that, oh, indigenous culture is the best way we should leave or their religion mm -hmm. with a spirit uh, or spirits is the best way we, we have to deal with it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely not. Uh, 
uh, it's it's just the ba the take the best of it. And for example, mm -hmm. I would say uh, when I went to cultural course, uh, and then I went through there was actually one more course I took in Saskatchewan Police College, which was called Effective Presentation, mm -hmm. where at the end we had uh, a circle of people sitting mm -hmm. together and there were no barriers uh, in front of us. So we we're almost like we we're sitting in a circle, but just take this table away. Yeah. Uh, and we just started sharing our moments in life that were impacted us emotionally, physically, mm -hmm. and basically just an outlet, open up. And you know what, I after that, I'm like, this is excellent. And that was taken from indigenous culture. Mm -hmm. That's your conflict resolution. And this yeah. is the best way how you can resolve the, con the conflict. The healing and circles? Absolutely, yeah. the healing circle. Yeah. The best way, the most brilliant thing. And mm -hmm. I think um, that's the way, I think this is the best way to resolve conflict even among ourselves. That's I how agree. we can do it. Yeah. Just sit, there is no status, nothing. Mm -hmm. uh, there is no ranks, nobody there. We just mm -hmm. sit there and talk. And that's, you know, set the rules, mm -hmm. listen to each other, give time and let's talk. And, and um, that was the most brilliant thing. I was mm -hmm. so amazed. And, and just the way how they, you know, believe in spirit and how, they, how peaceful they are. Mm -hmm. And uh, they, they want to talk. Like they are open. They mm -hmm. want to talk. And unfortunately, it's just um, individuals from different cultures same as on indigenous side on on black people or other minority side or white people side there are individuals who set the rules they're arrogant or ignorant about mm -hmm. those rules and they think they're the best in the world and that's the way how it should be those rules they set the boundaries between our interaction mm -hmm. that can lead to ultimate success ultimate success is it doesn't matter what color you are where you're coming from Everybody is born with talents mm -hmm. and everybody is a great person. And if we just uh, accept, I always say the secret of life, of success of all people, all human is very simple, is just genuinely thinking about other person. Mm -hmm. It's not about me, it's about you. I want to help you, I want to make you successful. Mm -hmm. And then can you imagine that would be like a fairy tale that would be perfection, mm -hmm. right, in the world. But yet we're setting these rules on a political level, mm -hmm. government level, or any other levels, and we're ignorant, we're closing doors, mm -hmm. and this is the way how we should do it, and that's it. We're not taking anything else. So that's where uh, we create a society. We create those rules. Mm -hmm. It's like take God, right? This is United Church, then there is Catholic Church, then there is mm -hmm. other church. And every church, uh, more or less, will be closed or open-minded. They will be saying, this is the way we do things. Mm -hmm. This is the right way. But if you take Jesus, and I don't know much about Bible, but I just remember that that, uh, that guy, he welcomed, welcomed anyone. He mm -hmm. opened his doors to anyone, regardless of status, their color of skin. Mm -hmm. uh, that's how he was. So really, that's how we should be. But all these boundaries, rules, and format, people, life mm -hmm. being, we created those, those things. Mm -hmm. And that's how the conflict. Yeah, I agree. I, we've, and we created them to create conflict. Mm -hmm. Like they're literally, some of the guidelines that you're talking about are specifically designed to create conflict yeah. and separation amongst us. Right? Absolutely. Yeah and, yeah. and so trying to get around that. And yeah, like Jesus seemed like a pretty good dude, like from historical accounts. I mean, <clears throat> I don't know what was true and what wasn't, yes. right? None of us do, but the reality was he, he seemed open. Mm -hmm. And that seemed to be probably the most fundamental um, characteristic of him mm -hmm. was that there, he wouldn't stop you from getting help. 
Absolutely. Right? No matter what you were into. Um, again, I, I don't know. I don't claim to know the Bible very well either. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's on purpose. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've spent time reading it, but I, I absolutely find most of it absurd. Absolutely. That's, and you, you just nailed it on purpose. I do the same thing mm-hmm. because sometimes complexity that creates the issues, right? Yes. Among people. And here's an example. When some people ask me what religious you are, and I'm saying I'm Christian, mm-hmm. uh, but I always add, I always um, open up more and explain more. And I say, you know what? But I would openly walk into any church, any building, mosque, mm-hmm. ashram, anything you, you tell me. And if you show me the way you say, let's pray to my God, let's say Allah. So we have to lean on the carpet on the knees mm-hmm. and do that. I will do that. Mm-hmm. Why? Because in my mind, I believe that Jesus, I believe that God, that person who was mm-hmm. good to everyone else. And regardless the way we pray for him, mm-hmm. it's praying for that person. Mm-hmm. So I'm not putting the, the, the rules um, in between us. Mm-hmm. For me, it's just we're praying, but this is just the way, different mm-hmm. way that people interpret it. Yeah. And uh, and sometimes I think we're getting stuck in those ways and the rules, mm-hmm. but we forget about the purpose, the main purpose. Why are we here for? Yes, yeah, that's, we, that's exactly what you what you said. Yeah, we get yeah. caught up in the dogma yeah. and we forget about the principle. Yes, right. The principles being, we're all here together. We should probably try to help each other. Yeah, right. Like, and I think it's an ego thing too, because mm-hmm. as humans, we all have egos. And absolutely, there is a good way about the ego. Um, it's when we have desire to, to make things, mm-hmm. to do things and create uh, when we have a good purpose. But unfortunately, a lot of times our ego, you know, we have to check it because it's, it's on the way. Mm-hmm. It's on the way and it's like different agencies uh, but heading with each other and they say our policy is the best and our policy is the best. Uh, and then ultimately the people who are uh, the group of people we're working for, trying to resolve some issues, they're struggling mm-hmm. because we're always getting stuck with our egos. Yeah. We're thinking that this is, and um, I'm reading this great book now, I told you, uh, Think Like a Monk. Oh yeah, Think by Like Jay a Monk. Shetty. Yes, yeah, amazing yeah. book. Like the, he, he describes that ego and, and um, uh, the guy who went to ashram and became monk and, and uh, it's just amazing. Mm-hmm. Like that, but that's the ultimate, that's, that's that, uh, um, that's the problem. The mm-hmm. main problem in society that we have is just our ego is on the way mm-hmm. and we stop, um, uh, we close up. Yeah. As yeah. soon as we think we're not going to get what we want, we close up. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Or we're going to lose what we're holding on to, right? Like yeah. we just like, no, I can't, I can't let that out. Yes. Right. Absolutely. It's, it's such a strange thing that we do that though. Yes. Because at the same time we do it, there's parts of us, I'm sure that recognize it's essential to do. Absolutely. Like it's essential to open our minds if we want to continue as a species like we have to open our minds absolutely and allow for whatever to happen to us 100 percent. and working together i as i said so for example i was just finished my night shifts and uh, our last night uh, was me my minus 10 or 15 and i were downtown driving the back alleys i was amazed how many uh, homeless people are there and just mm-hmm. trying to sleep and they're sleeping literally mm-hmm. just on the street in the back alley They're leaning towards the wall of the building and they're sleeping. Mm-hmm. So we're checking on them and uh, uh, Offering to go to shelter and a lot of them you'll be surprised don't want to go to shelter mm-hmm. 
And then I, I couldn't stand before when I started. Why? Yeah. It didn't make sense for me because here is a shelter. Everything is given for you, but mm -hmm. you don't want. And then I realized, especially uh, the female, um, uh, they go through victimization. And what I mean by that, they go there in the main area where it's co-ed. And men, women, they sleep together on the floor in the same area. Mm -hmm. So there is no really uh, a lot of privacy there. Uh, and those female or even male, they're getting touched by other people robbed assaulted uh, so this is this is victimization and mm -hmm. uh, they would rather take that um, uh, sacrifice and mm -hmm. they will try to sleep in cold yeah. rather than being victimized uh, again right so mm -hmm. everybody regardless of your status needs that uh, privacy and mm -hmm. you go to a shelter and sometimes they kicked out from those shelters mm -hmm. for their violent behavior yeah. and you know that's the first reaction. You know? It doesn't make sense. It's a shelter and you kick them out. But then you look at the people who work there. They're not working for that much money there. Mm -hmm. And they do a lot of stuff. And yeah. they deal with pretty much um, mental health issues all the time, homelessness, mm -hmm. addictions. And it's not like a five-star hotel. Um, mm -hmm. That's every clientele, right? And you have to be patient. And, um, and those people do amazing work. And I can, I, can, I can understand their policy in place, right? Mm -hmm. But then those people are getting kicked out. They're not uh, allowed back. And then now they're on the street. So mm -hmm. we, we're kind of you know, hitting that uh, circle. And actually, uh, on our last night shift, we brought uh, this female to a shelter. They took her. Um, and the employee staff was outside and we had a good chat. He said, I think, he said, I think we guys, cops, uh, paramedics, us, shelters, social workers, we should get together and discuss something in place for mm -hmm. these people because something doesn't work. Mm -hmm. uh, they're either getting kicked out and they're not welcome back, which is pathetic. It doesn't mm -hmm. make sense, uh, but it does make sense from their uh, point of view. Well, because of what you just said, like some people are being assaulted and robbed Mm -hmm. in the shelters and of course you have to kick those people out exactly to make sure people are safe but at the same time you're kicking them out and creating the same problem uh, absolutely yeah. yeah okay that makes a lot of sense i mean what do you do yeah and i think the biggest um you know the biggest issue that we have is that comfort zone that people society the the government is used to they mm -hmm. just say the, and this is what i i I, I don't like to hear things like that's what we used to do for ages, years, and that's, that's how we we're going to do, do things. Yeah. That's, like the, that's the mistake because if we're not changing things, we're, we're in the comfort zone. Mm -hmm. And regardless, it works or not, that's how we used to do it. Yeah. And you're like, well, but that's... Isn't that really a killer, man? Oh, it's such a killer. Yeah. And uh, even I have, I have this crazy idea. I know we discussed about mm. the drugs, right? So yeah. looking at the drugs... Um, the most addictions, um, the street crime talking about right now. So it's a cycle for people mm -hmm. who are addicted on drugs, right? Uh, because now they're addicted on drugs because of trauma or anything else happened mm -hmm. in their life, right? Um, so g they g get out of the, uh, their feelings or they get rid of their, uh, they're in relapse. They need the new uh, fix, uh, mm -hmm. the drugs again. It costs money because you buy that from drug dealers, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so but where do they take money? They don't work, a lot of them. Mm -hmm. uh, so they have to go and do break and enters, commit mm -hmm. break and enters, or car prowling, all the street crimes that mm -hmm. we have, robberies. Um, because at that very moment, and people may not understand, it's easy to say, oh, why can't you just stop doing drugs? It's yeah. easy. 
But uh, easy to and, say that. And I sure. wasn't a drug addict in the past, mm -hmm. but I took. Um, I was lucky to take a drug recognition expert course. Mm -hmm. So I'm basically doing tests for impaired drivers on drugs. Mm -hmm. uh, so we went into drugs in depth, seven categories and how they impact your body system and what people feel mm -hmm. like and they go through. And it's just, just knowing that you kind of feel that pain. Mm -hmm. Even if you were never in that pain, yeah. you kind of can understand how it's just probably so painful and mm -hmm. so hard to get just to say stop i can stop and yeah. the next day i'm not going to do drugs mm -hmm. in that heated moment relapse these people and i heard i heard that from these drug addicts on the street because mm -hmm. when you talk to them they say uh you if your mom or dad are in front of you and or the person you love the most and they have this 20 bucks for my fix uh, and they're not giving to me i'm ready to kill them mm -hmm. That and they don't genuinely want to kill them. Yeah. They love that person, yeah. but they, that's what this addiction uh, does to people, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, I think so that's, well, that's well said because people, some people who don't understand what happens when when an addict needs their substance, mm -hmm. that's a well, that's well, good description, right? It's because that's literally what it will come down to. Yeah, it will be whatever's in the way of get, of me getting the thing. I will get rid of the thing in the way. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And so uh, these people have to commit crimes, so they get their fix, and that's <clears throat> a new cycle. It's basically it comes yeah. back, goes and back, goes and back. Uh, and uh, and thinking about that, and I, I worked one year on beats in Saskatoon, so I was dealing very close to addictions and homelessness yeah. and all the issues. And I work downtown now uh, here, so you talk to these people, uh, dedicate your time, and you kind of think about as society. It's weird because it uh, it it doesn't work. What mm -hmm. we're doing, it doesn't really work because yeah. all we do is a law enforcement. We're just catching up. We'll never be in front. We'll mm -hmm. never be. But we're always catching up, and we're happy with that drug bust, for example, we did, or there was like um, uh, something. You know, uh, the group of people working together, and it, they're doing these crimes. It's very organized. Now we uh, have all the information. We do the bust. A uh, bust. Everything is great. But then what happens next day, there'll be a new group of people. Mm -hmm. They'll take over. So we're going to spend, again, resources, months, a lot of money and everything. Uh, and I'm not saying we shouldn't do that. No, mm -hmm. that's not what I'm saying. But I'm just saying maybe something in society, the, uh, the way we used to run things, they don't run anymore. They, mm -hmm. they don't, maybe we should change something. Yeah. That's where, I'm, where I talk about uh, comfort zone and uh, open mind. Mm -hmm. That's where we have to open mind to society, come together, talk yeah. together, and say maybe some things that we've been doing for years, decades, mm -hmm. are not working anymore. Because yeah. we're so getting entitled and used to. That's yeah. the easiest way. The hardest way is to change something. Mm -hmm. Nobody likes change, right? Yeah. Here is an example. In, on Facebook, I was crawling and I found somebody posted CBC uh, news uh, video where they implemented uh, mandatory cars, uh, seatbelts mm -hmm. in Alberta. Yeah. And lots of people were just, no, there is no way I'm wearing seatbelt. We used to have no seat belts. It doesn't make any sense. You're going to put me in prison next. E exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, and watching that, I'm like, that's perfect. It was 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. That's like the perception towards something new. Mm -hmm. So in going back with the drugs and the cycle, I had this idea, crazy idea. I, I thought, what if we, as a society, as a government, uh, create the establishments, well-secured establishments, and the government will produce these drugs of choice mm -hmm. for people who are addicted and they give them for free. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking, Some like, it's a crazy idea. This. If you think about it, it's yeah. a crazy idea. Like the safety sites are good, but mm -hmm. what we created a three um, uh, legged chair. So yeah. we're missing the fourth one. What's mm -hmm. the fourth one? 
they still need to get drugs to come to that safety Safe site. drugs. Right? Yeah. So now we have people actually, drug dealers, just mm -hmm. outside the safety site because they, they are good businessmen. Mm -hmm. They're smart in a way that they figured out, oh. Well, they know where everybody is, All right? the people who need drugs, now they're coming to this site. <laughs> yeah. But they're walking out, they need again drugs. Mm -hmm. Or they're coming to the site, they don't have drugs. So they're mm -hmm. selling these drugs outside. It's perfect. So I thought, why don't we have a society, just run a pilot project. Let's say like, mm -hmm. here is a space for you. We run this project where we have this secure building. Mm -hmm. We're not victimizing them. We're not checking their warrants. We don't care about that. They just come. Uh, they register, get their name, you want these drugs, blah, blah, blah. Okay, you sign the waiver phone. If you mm -hmm. die, you're responsible for yourself. You're an adult. Here's a safety site just the next door. The yeah. nurse is on site. If you're, uh, you have naloxone, mm -hmm. all that stuff. Well, number one, they're clean drugs. Yep. Now we're... Um, Why not put it all together in the same exactly. space? Exactly. Yeah. So they're clean drugs produced by the government. Mm -hmm. We're minimizing uh, the illnesses, mm -hmm. HIV, AIDS, etc., etc., etc. Uh, number two, we're eliminating drug dealers. Mm -hmm. Number three, we're eliminating street crime. Mm -hmm. Those people, we're closing that loophole. Those people who are had to go and commit street crime mm -hmm. or sell their bodies as women mm -hmm. for the 20 bucks or 30 bucks or fixed, men, yeah. or men yeah. um, they will go to that place because mm -hmm. they know they don't have to do that. Yeah. So how much money ultimately we're saving? I think, and I, I, I'm not... A businessman I'm not mm -hmm. uh, um, but you know how many police hours go into each operation exactly uh, well police hours EMS yeah uh, triage at the emergency mm -hmm. doctors then prosecutors uh, yeah. courts uh, jails yeah thousands of dollars I bet you so probably I'm, millions millions I'm actually super interested if you mm -hmm. ever David know any professors in sociology yeah. or anybody who would be interested to take upon this work mm -hmm. and write a thesis or yeah. write something like or create a group of people yeah. and on a university level mm -hmm. um, I, I would I would absolutely would love to take part in it I well one of the thing I'm going to recommend then is you look into um, what's the name of the Scandinavian country that does that they have yeah, this either Norway or Sweden yeah it's what Portugal also Portugal is yeah. decriminalized drugs Norway no. or Sweden has this the, Nor Norway or Sweden, they actually have mm -hmm. um, a facility where they give the drugs. Really? And it's a safe consumption site. Oh. And in this country, I think it's Norway. I don't know the details mm -hmm. of it, but like that'd be something interesting to look into. Because mm -hmm. as you're talking about it, all I can think of is um, this politician in that country lives right across the street mm -hmm. from it. Oh, wow. Because it's so safe. So they, safe, they right? They also get housing yeah. and assistance to get jobs. Yeah. But, but that's what I'm saying. So yeah. that, that's your hub. So what happens, that person goes there once, mm -hmm. one time. He realizes, oh, that was safe. Yeah. I didn't need to sell my body. I didn't need to do crime. I'm not mm -hmm. dealing with police. They're not catching yeah. me. I'm not re-victimizing again by mm -hmm. going through the system, jail, and et cetera, et cetera. I'm going there. I get my fix. I'm getting better. And somebody is talking to me. Mm -hmm. The building report. It takes time, absolutely. But where is it safer and better to build a report? On the street, each other police officer changes. Mm -hmm. I'm off, somebody else dealing, maybe he's not that patient, nice, or doesn't yeah. believe in that. Yeah. He's not the bad person, but just different person, mm -hmm. right? So it takes time to build that rapport. Mm -hmm. So in those hub centers, secured buildings, yeah. where they're getting their fix, they're building a rapport. And the money we're saving on mm -hmm. law enforcement, uh, correctional uh, courts, we're putting this money towards uh, mm -hmm. rehab. Rehab yeah. that is uh, easily accessible by regardless of your uh, financial status. Mm -hmm. uh, we, we met this um, couple um, uh, on my day shift just last set um, and she brought her son for rehab 
Um, mm -hmm. And uh, the amount of money she said that the family is sponsoring mm -hmm. to pay for that rehab in BC is outrageous. Like not yeah. the, the majority wouldn't be able to even afford that. Like yeah. just people who are doing regular, there's forget it. There is no chance for that. Private treatment is for people who have money. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But can you imagine if like maybe not that luxurious, but we, if we create those facilities with a good rehab system mm -hmm. where, you, as you said, we're putting the accommodation, mm -hmm. uh, the, I believe in labor, in fact, like labor, yep. that's the best correctional way for people. Mm -hmm. And I'm not joking. Actually, at work, people are, um, when I talk about that, they're always referring to gulag. Like, because I'm coming from <laughs> Soviet yeah. Union, so they yeah. think, like, I want to create this gulag where I, I, I log these people and everything, and they're and it's working. it's the opposite and, of a gulag. Exactly. Yeah. But I'm just, I'm just thinking, because I remember growing up as a kid, there was a lot of mental health, you know, and um, uh, depression and everything. And I remember when feeling down, uh, my mom or my grandparents would say, uh, oh, you feel upset? Go do something. Go mm -hmm. work. Go clean your room. Mm -hmm. And then when I was a kid or a teenager, of course, I was rebellious mm -hmm. and I'm like, oh, okay. But now as an adult, I actually do agree. And I do, re I, mm -hmm. I do believe it works. It does work. 100%. You just have to kick yourself to do that. Because like, for example, my, not this set, but the set before, I really had a rough go and my days off were pretty much bad, really bad. Mm -hmm. I just recovered uh, on my third day and then I have another day and I have to go back to work. But it's... You know, I woke up and I remember, okay, I have a choice right now, lay in bed, and I have all the right to do so. Mm -hmm. And I can say, like, I'm just struggling mentally and I, I just can't. That's it, right? Yeah. But then I realize, and I'm lucky that way because I have wife, I have three kids, I have to take care of mm -hmm. them. They're waiting for me. They were waiting for me. They're mm -hmm. dependent on me. So I pushed myself and I, I went into my routine. You know, I helped my wife to clean up and, and we did that and we cooked and I played with the kids. I went sledding with them and I take care of them and I'm pushing myself, even though I'm phys physically, mentally, I don't want to do that, mm -hmm. but I'm, I'm pushing myself and I realized that you actually start feeling better about yourself because mm -hmm. you did the, those things mm -hmm. and you feel you're refreshed or even if you go for a run or workout, you feel better about yourself. Mm -hmm. So that moment, it may be very hard. It's very easy mentally to get into that loophole where you become and say, yeah, that's it. Like I'm, in de yeah. I'm depressed, I'm done. Mm -hmm. And then what's an easy fix, unfortunately, we go to a doctor, they prescribe meds. Those meds, they're tricky, mm -hmm. they're interesting. Yeah, they most and certainly are. And you can get hooked up on them yeah. and just get in that mood and live in that mood that you're mm -hmm. depressed and that's it. But I do believe in that movement. It's mm -hmm. like, like Nike ad, just do it. When, when you yeah. know, you're like, ah, how do I do it? Just do it. Just it's start. interesting that you say that. Like, it's not just theoretical, right? Nope. Like, because I, I use it, like, when I meet new clients, right? Mm -hmm. The first thing we establish is what aren't you doing that helps you? Exactly. That you've always done. Exactly. Right? Like, and going back to those, uh, those facilities, like you said, maybe <laughs> in Norway, they have that where people, they're learning to take care of each other mm -hmm. and themselves too. They're learning that responsibility. It's, I, don't, I don't believe in jail. I'm sorry. I yeah. don't. I just don't. Because you go there. I've seen so many indigenous kids. They go mm -hmm. there. They actually get better at what they want to do in the street. Mm -hmm. Is uh, gangs, street life. They get better mm -hmm. because they get new connections. They, are, uh, they have tons of time there mm -hmm. to learn new stuff. They exercise. They eat. Everything is good. They take care of them. Mm -hmm. But what else do we do to those people? Really yeah. nothing good. Well, we're definitely not changing mindsets. Absolutely not. Yeah. 
So that's what I'm saying that uh, with uh, maybe creating a system like uh, there is courts, uh, mm -hmm. you go to court and they say you either go to jail or you go to this facility mm -hmm. where you go through labor, you take care of, uh, of yourself, mm -hmm. uh, you have some privacy like you sell, yeah. whatever, you cook for each other, mm -hmm. you know, you, you start uh, producing, you're making money too, mm -hmm. we're paying you minimum wage or whatever. And uh, you know, and those addiction centers, like yeah. uh, like giving the drugs for people, because mm -hmm. that's what they need. And and we can kill so much stuff, so much social yeah. issues, so many social issues that we have nowadays. And yeah. police have to just catch up. We're mm -hmm. putting up fire. That's all we do. Well, I, like for example, that's a good point. Like how how much do you think it cost the city, mm -hmm. not just the police, but the city? to do that huge operation that just ended mm -hmm. with the 500 people in the family, oh. right? Like how much, how much cop hours, city money, how much money goes into that operation? That's one operation. Tons. And right? you, you know what? And it's interesting because we discussed it at coffee with, mm -hmm. with other patrol members. And I just said, uh, we had a good discussion. We said, um, you know, it's cool. Like we're celebrating now, but we're already hearing stuff that there are already people trying to now other rivalries like different other people try to take the field. It's a vacuum, right? Take the field. Exactly. It's a yeah. vacuum. Now it's open up the space. Mm -hmm. Somebody else is going to uh, take the space. And guess what? We're going to spend another month for operation because we have to. That's our job. That's what the taxpayers pay for. That's they right. expect from us. But that's what I'm saying. Maybe like sometimes being just we used to do this thing, this, this is how they work. Maybe we should get together mm -hmm. and leave our locker ego in the, in the mm -hmm. locker and just get together and like, hey, like what else can, maybe this is something we can do. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. If you tell the public, general public, some of them will say, are you crazy? We're yeah. paying taxes and we will give them drugs for free. This just doesn't, blows our mind. But if you, if for those people you make a business mm -hmm. plan, that's why I'm saying it's got to be a work done oh, by yeah, no, business sure. people, by yeah, yeah. professors, by you know, people. And we're, I would love we're to spitballing take... ideas. Yeah, absolutely. But the, the truth is, I mean, there's got to be a whole bunch of people coming together to make it happen. Absolutely, and yeah. that's what I'm saying. If you present that as a business plan mm -hmm. uh, and show the benefits, even just to people who don't maybe believe, like oh, clean drugs, ah, whatever. I yeah. don't care if they're gonna get ill or not. There mm -hmm. are some people like that too in society. But if you bring them the business plan and yeah. show uh, the money, how much money we're going to save mm -hmm. and where we can put this money. Yeah. And, you know, there is, again, there is another aspect. There are some people say, oh, there is no way Then my son can be walking past that building, can get drugs for free, no problem. It's not going to happen. If you have a normal family life, like it's it, well this is the same with same thing with cannabis right yeah exactly when when, when they were going to legalize cannabis everyone's like oh my god everyone's going to do cannabis no they're not david <laughs> they're just not thank you for bringing that because i remember those i was in saskatoon mm -hmm. and i was getting through i was becoming breath tech and uh, drug recognition expert mm -hmm. and i remember those talks they were and they're always people and that's mm -hmm. the beauty about our society yeah. absolutely we should have these people that's like democracies. That's how we brainwash ideas, right? We need discussion. So I'm not yeah. saying they're wrong, but yeah. I'm just saying I remember those cops were saying there is no way you can't legalize. This is a drug mm -hmm. and we're going to have so many impaired drivers, so many deaths, and we're going to have just a, a explosion of problems mm -hmm. uh, in, in policing just world from yeah. patrol. And I remember thinking like, okay, well, we'll see. Like, let's take my past three years of policing and uh, whether I had any incidents or problems dealing with somebody who is high in weed, zero. Mm -hmm. Like people just want, you know, and I just, that's just was my just yeah. first simple reaction and kind of analyzing thinking, wait a minute, 
actually, when you come to DRE course, the first day of three weeks, they're telling you alcohol is the biggest drug in the world. Mm -hmm. And the, most, the biggest killer. Yet, as a public, mm -hmm. we accepted it, yeah. like seatbelts 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. There was a time when we accepted um, alcohol, yeah. and now it's freely open, and even in COVID, look, like mm -hmm. we still have one of the essential right stores. They're still open until 10 p.m. I'm not saying to shut them down, but I'm just saying how we can um, uh, get comfortable with things. Mm -hmm. We can. We just need to open our mind, yeah. work towards it. So anyways, going back to the cannabis, they legalized it. I didn't see, like on a mm -hmm. patrol level, even talking to other guys, we didn't see the inflate of impaired I, I drivers. I didn't notice much at all. So. Really? No. Yeah. And uh, in fact, as a patrol officer, police officer, I would rather deal with somebody high on weed mm -hmm. than uh, drunk on alcohol. Mm -hmm. Al alcohol, and of course, if you take other stimulants like meth, mm -hmm. problem, uh, coke, all the best. Coke disseminates yeah. quickly, but like meth, yeah. it, like it, and depends what time uh, you're dealing with the person mm -hmm. at what point um, when he's high on uh, those stimulants. But alcohol is, is the biggest evil, I would say, that's mm -hmm. for sure. And, and they're not covering that. They're telling you the first day you're at the course, mm -hmm. alcohol is the biggest drug. And you think, you ask yourself, so why are we, like, it just doesn't make sense. So we mm -hmm. legalize this, it's legalized, open, mm -hmm. And we're not worried that our kids will gonna go and, and take it, right? Mm -hmm. Or uh, let's let's talk about painkillers, mm -hmm. OxyContin, and the huge lawsuits going on in the states, mm -hmm. uh, and um, uh, or morphine you take, or how mm -hmm. many people get addicted. Didn't every the company day. that started Oxy didn't they get sh shit can ton of fines? I heard that they had lots of. There like, I think there was like lawsuit. a billion dollars or something like that. I heard, yeah. I didn't know the... Uh, what, I'm not sure if that's right, but... Right, I, I, I'm not sure what happened, what were the convictions or mm -hmm. whatsoever from courts. But yeah, I, I, I think about that. How many people get addicted in opioid, mm -hmm. opioid and just coming from hospitals? Like it's just eating their life yeah. alive. And narcotics are, you, would pro you can argue that they're probably the worst for addiction because mm -hmm. it's just taking your body and it's so hard mm -hmm. that relapse, the heroin addiction is like mm -hmm. horrible to go through. Um, but you know, we have those in place. Mm -hmm. It's officially on a government level. And how is it not a drug? Mm -hmm. Like it's actually everything is a drug. Yeah. Medicine you call it, or it's a drug mm -hmm. by definition, right? So, um, and how many people are those that are throwing on their own? They're mm -hmm. just coming out and yeah, we have the methadone program in place, mm -hmm. uh, which is good. And, but I'm just saying that we can do other things. I'm we very can do certain, more. Yeah. And I would love to see that pilot project, like maybe one municipal um, city or some place where maybe Vancouver, just, we, like somewhere yeah. we, okay. Did actually street crime went down because I remember yeah. Portugal, uh, watching, uh, two documentaries about them. Uh, they decriminalize drugs on just a simple possession. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. I'm not saying yeah. let's legalize drugs and no, no. no. attack drug dealers mm -hmm. and work on rehab and people to bring them back to life. And right? stay away from the users. Like, Absolutely. You don't have to worry about enforcing it with the users. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. In fact, I'm, I'm happy I'm in Canada. I'm a mm -hmm. police officer in Canada because we can exercise our discretion towards simple possession of yeah. uh, drugs on a CDSA nice. um, uh, level. And yes, we do that because we realize that that person will go through the system. We are victimizing that person. Mm -hmm. He's going through jail again or court system. Again, if you don't believe in that compassion, thousands of dollars business plan, mm -hmm. thousands of dollars until the disposition, the final mm -hmm. disposition. 
uh, and that that person was going to happen, if he's addicted, he, he or she is going to get these drugs again. Mm-hmm. So we're just in a cycle again yeah. by finding these drugs and leaving a report minimum two hours mm-hmm. you know, of your time. That's again, $100. For a level one police officer, yeah. uh, just one officer, and then you and take that's just other one case, and that's just one case, yeah. simple possession. So, um, do you remember what the turnaround was with Portugal? Like, so, how long did it take? Yeah, Portugal. Actually, it's interesting because it's not even the top country in in EU, European yeah. Union. Uh, but they did it in two thousand one. Mm-hmm. Two thousand one, they decriminalized. Yeah. They had patrol from civilians on the streets where they had naloxone. The on. They picked up the dirty needles mm-hmm. and everything. They were chatting with those people, building a report. Police were not charging them. Mm-hmm. And they said that, and I, I don't know the numbers now going to depth, but for sure the law enforcement could see um, uh, the drastic decrease in uh, street crime. Mm-hmm. And, and how long did it take for the, dr- the drastic street uh, decrease to the, be noticed? I wouldn't say that too, because yeah. I need to go to in depth. But yeah. since 2001, it's been working for them, yeah. right? Uh, and uh, so they relocated those money that they were spend, spending on patrol, mm-hmm. on courts, prosecution. Yeah. They relocated those money in rehab centers. Yeah. I heard that they have one of the best rehab system in I the world. I heard that too, yeah. Uh, and also the specialized units to fight uh, drug dealers. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. To go after Mark. the kingpins, the people yes. who have Yeah, the, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So they had success. Yeah. And uh, with discretion here in Canada, we exercise that, but it's not, of course, on federal level, yeah. right? And uh, but things like that, like for sure we have to, I know we have a lot of conservative minds mm-hmm. and which is fine. That's the beauty of our yeah. society. Uh, but I think to those folks, we can for sure present the business, mm-hmm. uh, the business side of it. Because yeah. look at the consumption side and I don't blame them. Uh, lots of people say, well, yeah, the consumption side, but look at the, now the businesses around mm-hmm. those sites and everything what's going on. Uh, yes, that's right. But again, what we created, we created mm-hmm. a three-legged chair. Yeah. We're missing the fourth one. Yeah. We, that fix. That's yeah. the most important no, you're thing. Right. Now we'll, around the consumption sites, we created the drug mm-hmm. dealing system. We created that, you know, because people still need to yeah. have something to go to those sites. Yeah, I, th- I think like you, you said it though, like the, the conservative nature of, of maybe some Canadians or most Canadians, mm-hmm. politicians, whatever. Um, I think that keeps us from getting it. Like, I mean, I know, is it all of BC or is it just Vancouver that's decriminalized or that's going just to de- just Vancouver? So like, do you think that because we have so many conservative minds here that we're going to be able to, like, cause I was a little bit, I was disappointed, I guess, when they mentioned Oregon was decriminalizing and the response of people was, Mm. well, they're fucked. And it's like, well, you're not seeing the big picture, right? Like the big picture of decriminalizing is it's going to take some time. At first, we're going to have a real problem with it. Like we're going to have a problem saying the government should provide heroin for people. Just the mindset, Mm -hmm. right? Not not the actual safety of it because it's safer, right? Right. Obviously, if you get heroin from the government, it's going to be heroin. It's not going to be fentanyl. It's right. not going to be. And that would be the difference between life and death. Right. Right. For most people. But it's going to be hard. And I, I mean, I, I know it's going to be hard on a national scale or a provincial scale mm-hmm. because it's hard one on one with people. Absolutely. Because people carry those solid ideas. Right. Like, nope, the government does not do that. But the government does do that. It just does it with alcohol. It does it with other things that the government has deemed not as dangerous as these painkillers. Painkillers. Like how many people got hooked up? Yeah. 
right? Uh, but so we all know that they're going to do that. We accept mm -hmm. the addiction, we accept the yep. mental health, but it's almost like, you know, how our society works and that just blows my mind. I think this is so wrong because the, then the compassion is, is taken away. Mm -hmm. We almost like, okay, I'm on the safe side. I'm not responsible legally. Mm -hmm. I'm fine. I'd yeah. rather do the way we used to do. Mm -hmm. But that's where the problem is. Mm -hmm. And when people say, oh, now uh, Oregon is in problem, it's going to be have tons of problems. Same, they were talking about Colorado when they were legalizing wheat. Everybody Everything. was saying they're going to have a huge problem, yeah. right? But that's okay. That's how democratic societies and, mm -hmm. and, and uh, successful countries go through mistakes. Yeah. They learn through this, those mistakes mm -hmm. and they filling out the gaps on the way. We yeah. can't prepare a new solution perfect without any issues. We well, can't. You can't. That's how societies move forward. Yeah. And when people are saying, oh, we're going to have good. Yeah, we're mm -hmm. going to have problems. Guess, we need those problems. We need those problems. Yeah. But guess what? On those problems, we're going to move further, further, upper and upper. Mm -hmm. That's why North America is one of the uh, most progressive or Europe is, is mm -hmm. very progressive because mm -hmm. people are not afraid. They're, you know, they're going hard. Um, I think our mindset, like the conservative North American mindset is about a hundred years behind. Yes. Right. And that's like, about, I'm talking about that comfort zone. Yeah. That's what I used to do. I'd rather be on the safe side. Yeah. And uh, maybe it will work in a family level, like mm -hmm. on a, you know, okay, fine. Yeah. You have your, whatever is enough for your bills mm -hmm. and, and just to go for, tr to travel, have a new truck and that's enough that may work. But mm -hmm. as society, it doesn't because we're so different. You can build the same framed. My, uh, same minded uh, family members, mm -hmm. but you can't have the whole country of the same mind because mm -hmm. then we create dictatorship, yeah. communism, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. That's why it's the beauty of dictatorship, uh, democracy, that we mm -hmm. have so many different minds, uh, people that we um, uh, have arguments, mm -hmm. that we have debates and we come to a solution and that we have mistakes, but we have to remove our egos and mm -hmm. stop like lots of politicians do. Mm -hmm. I told you, like, oh, just to get, gain my votes. Mm -hmm. well, I told you, see, I told them, like, they're going to fail. Mm -hmm. But that's good. If yeah. we don't fail, we're not learning. We're not doing anything new. We're absolutely yeah. not doing anything new. Because we can keep failing doing the same old shit. Absolutely. <laughs> that doesn't work, And we right? still do that. Yeah. We keep failing. It's we keep true. failing. Look at, like, homelessness is not only on the rise. Uh, mm -hmm. Addiction uh, is only on the rise, like yeah. it's not diminishing. And with COVID and everything, mm -hmm. socializing aspect you take away from people, mental health yeah. is on the rise. That goes close hand mm -hmm. to hand uh, to each other, the yeah. addiction, mental health and everything. So especially now, I think this is the best time where, uh, you know, it's the beauty of Zoom meeting where mm -hmm. people before like, oh, like how would we make this meeting? No, yeah. like it's actually great. We mm -hmm. can at any time, we can find much more time to make a Zoom meeting, right? And to connect with people from different places. Absolutely. That, that remind us in North America, because sometimes like we get stuck in the, <clears throat> in the fact that we think we're the only ones. Yes. Right, like an ego again, where we're, this is a North American problem. No, it's not. It's been a problem for humans. Right. And some places in Europe and other places have already figured it out. Right. Right, they've already figured out how they're gonna address it by being compassionate, by going, by trying to have rehabilitation versus punishment, like, because mm -hmm. punitive only works so much. Right. Right. Like being punitive for addicts and alcoholics, it doesn't work for us. No. Because even, even if, like if I was drinking still, um, you can give me consequence, but I don't care. Right. I don't care. The alcoholism doesn't give a shit. Exactly. It only cares about getting more alcohol. 100%. Right. So you can punish me all you want, but I'm going to get more alcohol. 100%. So. I just think it makes so much more sense what you're saying to like turn our focus into that rehabilitation for the users mm -hmm. 
and absolutely punish punish the cartel, punish them for bringing shit up right. here. Absolutely, lock them away. Who right. cares? Nobody nobody here is going to argue, 100%. right? Um, and of course, we need law enforcement. Of mm -hmm. course, we do for that, for other things as well. But t this one area. And I'm encouraged that Vancouver is looking at this, right? I'm very encouraged because as it starts to trickle into Canada, maybe it'll trickle across Canada. The yeah, idea yeah. that, wait a minute, we just might not know how to do this, right? Right? We, maybe we need to take some lessons from these other places, right? Like Portugal. I yeah. mean, it's what, almost 20 years later? Yeah. And what's it look like there? Yeah. Exactly. Must, must look way different. Yeah, way different. Yeah. yeah. On the street level, for sure. Mm -hmm. The street crimes and everything. That's what... It's a burden, right? You go to this taking reports, breaking entries, car prowling, and people just, it's traumatizing regular people too. They mm -hmm. work hard. Now what we do, we're bad hunting. So basically mm -hmm. these people are against that people, that yeah. category, and they're blaming them. Oh, this drug mm -hmm. addicts and blah, 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 and homeless, and they do that, that. we're so tired. Or like uh, in Prairies in Saskatchewan, mm -hmm. there was a case with uh, uh, the First Nations um, kids there and the farmer um, mm. that there was a very um, uh, oh who was that what was the name Colton Bush Colton Bush exactly yeah, yeah. Uh, that case right so it's it's that cycle everybody is a victim in that cycle mm -hmm. right yeah. and um, that's where we as society have to say okay well as a punitive measures yeah they don't necessarily work and we want to turn our policing into community-based policing mm -hmm. just work proactively yeah. e engage more with community talk mm -hmm. to them instead of just spending time on uh, putting up fire yeah. and that's what and I'm not saying it's not it's gonna go away no again we you have not to have a some fairy of that. tale yeah. but we have to have some of that but yeah. And it will be some of that, but just decreasing and uh, increasing more of that community proactive based policing. Uh, that's where, because without public, we can't survive policing. Mm -hmm. It's one of the first principles of um, uh, Peel, uh, who said public is the police, police is the public. Mm -hmm. That's my favorite of police principle. Yeah. Without the public, we can't survive. It's yeah. the tips, it's the crime stoppers, mm -hmm. all the information, it's the interaction communication. But that, we should have time for that. If mm -hmm. patrol officers are swamped taking reports from breaking entries, dealing with all the same stuff that we can mm -hmm. see, we're just putting up fire. It's a cycle, it doesn't yeah. work. Uh, but we get so entitled and we're like, well, I'm paid, that's fine. Like, I'm, mm -hmm. what else can I do? I'm not a chief. Mm -hmm. That's a lot of people say that. I'm yeah. like, you don't have to be a chief. Yeah. Like, just be creative and just be mm -hmm. that person who wants to change and come up with a project or come up with the something mm -hmm. ideas, brainwash ideas, and, and talk to people, right? Yeah. Um, so or just find your compassion and be a human. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like, yeah. be a human being who also is a police officer. Exactly. Yes. Know? Yeah. It's. I know that's tricky, right? Like very tricky. Yes, it's uh, <coughs> yeah, it's it's a whole other um, conversation for sure. Mm -hmm. We can a lot, spend a lot of time on mental health and everything, yeah. and that takes a toll. And not everybody can stay uh, compassionate, passionate yeah. for a long time, right? And there is lots of different triggers that mm -hmm. um, happen in people's minds, right? We can you, control. You know, people can be more compassionate if they're given like uh, openness, right? Right. Like if they're given the openness, and I, I mean officers too, like if mm -hmm. they're given the ability to be open-minded, right? Because right? they might, maybe maybe it's uh, for younger officers, it's easier to be open-minded. Right. Absolutely, right? It usually is, yeah. you know, um, until we get rigid. Yes. And we either get rigid or we stay open. Right. You know? And I think having, I am not afraid of a police department that has open minds. Like, right. I am, I'm all for it because I think, what keeps most people miserable, what keeps most people messed up is a closed mind. 
100%. Right, the inability to take in new information. 100%. Right? As it comes. I think a society on a very ground level, like because patrol officers, they see everything. Mm -hmm. They have a lot of good opinions and oh, ideas. You guys are all Unfortunately, in front of it's just not, there is no place, a lot of place and time mm -hmm. for them, right? So what I mean by that, when I was in Saskatchewan, Saskatoon, um, actually a current uh, Edmonton Police Service Chief, uh, Dale McPhee, mm -hmm. uh, he organized um, uh, through, he was at the time in the Ministry of Corrections or Innovations in Saskatchewan, mm -hmm. somewhere there. So he organized with uh, Ministry of Innovations, five by five project. And that was five days, five teams, or, or five people in each team. Mm -hmm. And that was exactly on an open-minded uh, philosophy. Uh, so what I mean by that, in each team, there was one police officer, so five police officers from mm -hmm. different agencies of Saskatchewan, across Saskatchewan, um, a social worker, a worker from Ministry of Health, um, uh, Ministry of uh, SGI, that's uh, the government um, agency in Saskatchewan mm -hmm. uh, for insurance, um, the general insurance. Um, and uh, some, some other people from other aspects of life. Mm -hmm. uh, and we all came together. I remember our team of five and we're all different. We're mm -hmm. all different. And our task was come up with five ideas on impaired driving that we mm -hmm. can tackle quickly, not just implement through the laws of, on federal level, mm -hmm. but tackle quickly on provincial uh, in the cities of Saskatchewan. And we yeah. can do that through few months. We have the money, we have the budget. Mm -hmm. it, it can be very um, cost efficient. Like it has, to, it has to be cost efficient, can be very expensive. Uh, so we were framed, but we were given open-minded open -minded philosophy. Mm -hmm. So basically think about something that's outside the box. That was his, when Dale McPhee spoke up the first day, that was his presentation. He mm -hmm. thought that um, he gave us all the freedom and he said, don't worry about something that's outside the box that people won't accept. Mm -hmm. Think about anything you can think of. Yeah. And I remember we were coming up with five ideas and we had uh, two minutes to protect, uh, sorry, not defend, uh, present our mm -hmm. idea uh, per idea. So 10 minutes as a group. Um, and then they will, uh, there was a committee again of different people from ministry mm -hmm. ministries in Saskatchewan. Uh, and they were voting for the best ideas and the, how they can implement. So those implementational yeah. stuff too. Uh, but that was amazing. That's but awesome. that's where it should be. Yeah. And I, um, that's where you have to run this um, with different bodies. That's mm. where I mean, uh, let your ego go yeah. and bring people together. Mm. We need to speak because we always blame each other. Mm. It's like, oh, EMS did that. Yeah. Oh, cops did that. Oh, oh fired. Oh, uh, we bring on Form 10 a mental health act to hospital and the five mm -hmm. minutes ago patrol officers are uh, discouraged because they walk away. Mm -hmm. Nothing happens to them, right? So, and we're blaming each other, mm -hmm. but like, okay, maybe we should instead blaming each other. We're spending so much time and energy. Maybe mm -hmm. we should meet up with each other. And I'm not just saying, and again, respectfully to the chief mm -hmm. deputies and all those people, they're very far away from patrol. Mm -hmm. they, they don't remember a lot of stuff and yeah. they don't deal. They may hear, but what type of information mm -hmm. they're getting, we don't know. Yeah. A lot of the time they work with statistics. Mm -hmm. Do statistics uh, uh, tell the real picture? No. No, there is no soul there. Mm -hmm. It's just dry numbers. Yeah. It doesn't really tell much, right? So by saying that, it's, it's, those meetings shouldn't be just on that executive level. Mm -hmm. I'm saying bring other people from the ground, mm -hmm. the boots, bring them and they can, you know, yeah. let them brainwash the ideas. Yeah, why doesn't that happen on a district level? 
Yeah, yeah. give them guidelines, give them, yeah. you know, just even on district level, like district mm -hmm. one, these are the problems. Okay, let's, who wants to be, we need so many officers mm -hmm. on this project. Um, and so many from EMS, so many from, and you guys get to get, even Zoom calls now, mm -hmm. it's not a problem. Once yeah. a week we make Zoom calls yeah. together, or once or twice a week, you get, uh, you, get um, um, uh, you, you get the name of the project, what we're doing mm -hmm. exactly, the goal for it, yeah. and brainwash ideas. Are they gonna yeah. work? Maybe not, but you know what? If one idea out of 100 mm -hmm. over the year will turn up as a great idea and we can use it, yeah. that's perfect. Well, that's Instead how... of just, yeah, that's how we use, uh, you know. Yeah, that's such a cop-out, hey? That's just how we always done it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, what a good idea, man, because it can, it can actually happen tomorrow mm -hmm. if people want it to. Yeah, right? if people just want, if people yeah. just open their mind, mm -hmm. log their egos, and say we're all the same we're human mm -hmm. and you know something is not working and why don't we try to come up with something that will work majority for us mm -hmm. and make our lives easier and better for those people we're working with yeah like homeless better for people. the citizens right i went to i remember covid uh the first wave um and they created a telecenter the, that uh, big shelter uh, the common area mm -hmm. and they had this uh just mattresses beds single beds so I walked in there with my partner and I looked around and I, I thought, you know what, it doesn't matter who you are, at what point of your life you are, what problems you have, everybody wants, needs privacy. Mm. And I thought, and it, actually it was the uh, first time I was really blown away in Saskatoon. I remember the night shift, it was full, raining hard. Uh, we were driving with my partner downtown through Midtown Plaza. Uh, it's a mall, and we, we see this girl. She's just in a skirt, bare feet, and she's young. So we stop by her, and it's raining. It's like, hey, like, what are you doing? And you can tell there are mental issues going mm -hmm. on there, maybe on drugs or something. Uh, but she's banned. She's thrown away from uh, the shelter, lighthouse there. And we're like, uh, again, it's like if you're, you know, passionate, compassionate, you're like, you're frustrated. Mm -hmm. It doesn't make sense how they're homeless people, right? But again, that's mm -hmm. how we see it, right? So I'm not blaming the stuff. So we take her to the back of our patrol car and we try, okay, what's your name? So we check the name and make sure like, uh, not just the warrants, but just basically who she is, where mm -hmm. she's from, what's her uh, story. Asking her about, you know, what's going on, where we can take her. And we call this shelter. No, she's banned. Calling the other shelter. No, women shelter. No, she can't, we don't have space for her. We're calling Salvation Army. And they're, oh no, we can't, uh, she's not in a, that's another thing, I was blown away. She's not in a social pro, uh, program, so she's not funded by the government. There was something just, just like bureaucracy yeah. thing. She's mm -hmm. not on the program. We can't pay for her hotel yeah. room. For God's sakes, right? Yeah. So you're like, okay, fine. We go to detention, and but detention is detention. They don't take her. There are mm -hmm. no charges, nothing. So at least we find some pair of uh, shoes for her mm -hmm. and sandwiches. We gave her food and everything. So she was warm a little bit in our car, got some shoes, she ate. Um, and we just talked to her sergeant and talked amongst ourselves with my partner. And we said, you know what, like emergency hospital room, at least she'll sit there. Mm -hmm. They're not gonna kick her out. And maybe in the morning she can walk out, like yeah. at least just for the rain, right? So we did that, but how sad mm -hmm. it is. We live in one of the top 10 countries in the world. Yeah. And there is no place for that mm -hmm. girl. 
right? And that one I started looking into uh, this, you know, shelters and how they, you know, mm -hmm. work in different countries. I know in the States they run pretty interesting projects where they can, they build tiny villages of mm. uh, shacks. They're basically like shacks, tiny homes. Yeah, what do they call those? Uh, there's a whole neighborhood in Oregon, yeah, well, in Portland. Tiny homes. Tiny home, yeah, yeah, yeah. They yeah. that with the vets here too. Yeah, yeah, that's right, the, the homes for heroes. Yeah, and I don't know how it works here, but I just, you know, there was a documentary and I watched about it in the States and I actually wrote a letter to the mayor mm -hmm. of Saskatoon saying, hey, uh, we came across this, this is not okay. Mm -hmm. Like, I think we should, we can do as people some more mm -hmm. because that girl is just a face of the problem. Mm -hmm. It's it's a big problem. Yeah. Like, it's so sad that there is only one place to take her. To well, and you think about it, because you, you probably think about this a lot. What would take, what would have to happen for that young girl to be out in the rain with no shoes on and not, and not properly oh. warm? Like what has to happen to that person to be there, right? Many things. And you'd be surprised how, how many girls are turning into, you know, prostitution, selling their bodies. Mm -hmm. They get victimized, they get hooked on drugs, then they need this fix mm -hmm. or they need the money for something for the fix, right? Mm -hmm. And we see, I, I remember, you know, sometimes people would be like, oh, this women, like, you know, why would you choose? Like, that's your choice. And I'm, and I'm always saying that there is no girl that is born has an idea or wants to be a prostitute. Mm -hmm. There is no girl. Like all those girls are huge victims. Mm -hmm. They don't have pleasure. Like who would have pleasure? Like Well, and, and we don't, we can't look at it because we still have that archaic mm -hmm. North American mind, right? Mm -hmm. Europe is again, hundreds of years ahead of us mm -hmm. in terms of prostitution. Mm -hmm. Like they have to be, you have to be tested. Mm -hmm. You have to, you have to maintain your testing. You have to do all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. We treat it like it's a, 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 a fucking epidemic. Yeah. Right. Instead of treating it like, well, why don't we have some compassion again? Yeah. For those humans, right? Yeah. Hundred percent. Yeah. Like in Germany, they have these houses, public houses, they yep. or whatever they call them, where you can go and everybody knows. But again, mm -hmm. some conservative mind here would say there is no. Way. I remember Rob Ford, he provincial governor mm -hmm. of Ontario, and MP, PM, prim, uh, premier, premier. He's <laughs> mixing those ranks. It's and, all good. Uh, yeah. Positions. He said, oh, there is no way, he was talking against consumption sites in Toronto, and he's mm -hmm. saying, there is no way my son is going to go from home and he's going to walk in there and do drugs. I'm like, no, like, no, it's well, not good. Well, what would you rather have your son do? Walk into that place and get clean drugs in a safe site? If or need. would you rather have him walk into a crack house? 100%. That's right? what the public houses, prostitution, going yeah. back. People would say, oh, there is no way my son would go there. But again, would you rather your son, if he mm -hmm. really wants, he has issues with self-confidence, you name it. Sure. He yeah. goes to prostitution and to go to that public house where it's clean, tested. Mm -hmm. There is, you know that he's not going to get uh, any illness or anything He's probably like not going to get beat up by a pimp. 100%. Right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Robbed, beat up, or whatever you call it. And he's it. not going to have to have sex in an alley. Yeah. Right? Like, 100%. God, I mean, it's just so, it, it, even if when, you, when I say it out loud, I'm just like, why are we fighting that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, <laughs> but that's how we are. We are like that, like horses. Mm -hmm. And we basically like, oh, I don't see it. Do I see it? Mm -hmm. I'll ask myself and then I'll say, no, there is no way that I saw it. You know, mm -hmm. it's just, it's that kind of Because we've always done it this way, right? 100%. Yeah. So I think, you know what? And I'm not a liberal person. I'm not conservative. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm stuck somewhere in between. I do believe that people have to take a little bit more Inter not power necessarily, but be more involved in they our have to be countries. more accountable, yeah. Because the way how our, even the government system is built, 
you know, you have to go through, you have to be a member of this party. Mm-hmm. And then you can get, you know, reelected, which is like, there are so many smart, you know, people mm-hmm. that the system itself screwing yourself kind yeah. of in a way, or create a party and make mm-hmm. it... Uh, so that people can vote and but there's so much there's so much garbage that goes into even creating a party in Canada exactly and to have it and to be on a ballot anywhere yeah. right like so it's like honestly you don't have a choice you're yeah. like oh NDP but yeah but but yet I'm not that far mm-hmm. okay well liberal yeah but still you know what I mean mm-hmm. so that's why when you ask me I'm not I'm yeah. just just a cop who sees those problems and believes that we can mm-hmm change things we just need to get together open our minds mm-hmm. talk about them not being afraid to make mistakes yeah accept those mistakes learn from them and on top create something new and that's mm-hmm. how as society we get successful move yeah. up i agree and i think creating something new that has always been very scary for mm-hmm. for people in north america because new means oftentimes challenging the old and when you challenge the old, people fight tooth and nail to keep the old, right? right? Like, yes. And it's kind of like, the, well, we could use the decriminalization subject as a topic because mm-hmm. that will be one subject that as it gets pushed into Alberta, Alberta, you can, I can almost hear the politicians in Alberta going, not on my dead body. Like, will we have decriminalization so that we can actually... <clears throat> put money into some of the other programs that you're talking about, mm-hmm. like bringing people together, having like community policing really does sound like the best way to go, mm-hmm. right? To the point where officers are engaging on a daily basis with the public. And I don't mean just the, the public who are doing wrong. I mean the public who are just being public. Absolute communities. Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think how strong our communities can get, mm-hmm. right? Once we can get our egos out of the way. Oh, that impact is huge. Right? Because if you don't see police officers, if you don't engage with public, we just don't know what mm-hmm. each other it takes and what we yeah. do and what people have kind of problems and right. Uh, l- let's take, and again, it's not my um, sphere, but let's take in terms of when we talk about close, close mind mentality and open-minded and comparing countries, let's let, take oil and gas, mm-hmm. right? Uh, there was conservative government here, and from my understanding, times were good, money were spent, everything was good. Yeah. Uh, oil crashed, we're all of a sudden in debt, mm-hmm. huge debt, and it's not like a, it's everywhere in the, yeah. in, in the internet, and they're talking about it to the governments. But that's how, and again, taking, because I looked at Norway, Norway is a northern country, same climate, mm-hmm. yes, they're way smaller. But they have tons of oil to offshore yeah. and natural gas, and they were making tons of money, same as Canada. They created a fund where they didn't touch a penny from mm-hmm. that fund. They were saving money, saving money, and reinvesting into something interesting, like yeah. solar power, whatever, you name yeah. it. I think Norway, if I'm not mistaken, maybe, but it's one of the top, if not the, uh, the top country that has the most... Uh, electric vehicles per capita okay Teslas and and everything and you know how lots of people here in Alberta go against it's like no Mm. oil and gas I as you said that's Mm -hmm. history we used to do it that's the only way and that's it even Kenny I heard him on the radio or on the news I don't know when it was but he said yeah I don't know how long it's gonna last maybe we should think about something else really finally really we could have done it with Harper yeah on the country level Mm -hmm. and not suffering now as hard I'm not against oil and gas. Of course and that's not. what I'm saying. I'm not a lib- I can't find myself liberal yeah. because there you know it's just But you a- don't have to be against oil and gas no. to want change. 100%. Right? Yeah. Please. And you know what actually it's interesting because I'm 
I wasn't, but I was a little bit like, I couldn't understand people who worked or work on the oil rigs and they make so much money and they waste so much money and there is such high rate of addiction there. Mm-hmm. I couldn't understand why, because like, guys, you have a beautiful living. You should mm-hmm. live good. And just why do you have that? I watched a documentary on CBC about uh, the oil workers mm-hmm. and it's primarily from Alberta. They showed those people and I realized, geez, that's their decades of life. That's mm-hmm. the culture. That's the only way they know it. And on a government level, like our government, just saying, hey, oil and gas, we cut it off and mm-hmm. we just think about this. Yeah. And we completely bring a new, like green, whatever. No, wait Not a minute. thinking where, about a million people. Where do you people? take millions yeah. of people, yeah. right? Hundreds of thousands of people, their mental health and, mm-hmm. and everything. Where do you take those people? Yeah. No, like, let's just work. That's what I'm saying. That's mm-hmm. the problem of even on a political level. Mm-hmm. It's like, these are our ideas, they're against conservatives, and that's how they fight each other, mm-hmm. they get their votes and everything. People, yeah. It's not even fair to people of Canada, because we're stuck in between. Mm-hmm. We're like, oh, I guess we have to go there this way or that way. Mm-hmm. There is no something in between. When most of us feel like there is an in-between. Absolutely. Yeah. So, no, let's just take care about all of us, each mm-hmm. other, include all the society. That's why I love Switzerland. They have this, uh, well, first of all, their cabinet is very short. Mm-hmm. It's maybe... I six or I don't know how many members, but mm-hmm. they're almost like voluntarily work there. Yeah. Uh, they have their jobs, but they also as members of the cabinet. So you would think, right? But they, they're the people who are, you know, taking care of their society, but they mm-hmm. also have on municipal level, on their counties level, they have people, small referendums where mm-hmm. people take part, just regular people mm-hmm. on their laws, their local laws, provincial laws, they vote, they make referendum, mm-hmm. and they bring something in, they always change. So it's not just we have that body, parliament, and we look at that parliament for four years, yeah. and we're like, oh, what's gonna happen? Oh, nothing. Mm-hmm. Oh, something that against my uh, concept or mm-hmm. my belief. And you no, know, let, let, we need to, that's the beauty of democracy. We need to give that kind of freedom of responsibility to people to make the mistakes realize geez, we're responsible for our lives. Mm-hmm. So I need to probably try to make less mistakes mm-hmm. because my choice is, is important. It's not yeah. like, okay, we voted for that party, done. Now we're sitting and just waiting. Mm-hmm. Oh, I want all the oil and workers um, done. Like, I, I hate this. I mm-hmm. want all the trees and green energy. And on the other side, we have other people. Yeah. But everybody is a person. Everyone mm-hmm. is a human being. If you look at these Albertans, they're not... In maybe Quebec, Ontario, some other people minds, they're like, oh, rednecks and blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. No, like that's, we have to open just, our minds yeah. and accept we're the same people. Mm-hmm. We're the same people. We we're just, just have, living in a different place. Absolutely. Yeah. And just by getting together, but that dialogue, removing mm-hmm. our egos and maybe, or blaming Quebec for taking all the money from, mm-hmm. uh, you know, from Alberta or Canada, instead of blaming each other, just getting the same as on policing level. Mm-hmm. I know we kind of digress to... The, we went where we had to go aspect but this is everywhere <laughs> yeah the bottom line it's everywhere mm-hmm. so you know just removing all these ranks and everything just i think ideally is when you're at the rank you're blessed by god the society gave you the right to be responsible for something bigger mm-hmm. and you need to use that rank to with a good purpose with your open heart to make a difference to make better for who you're working for mm-hmm. That's where I see the rank, yeah. right? Um, I don't like when it's, oh, yes, sir, no, sir. Yeah, mm-hmm. it should be there, like at parliament, mm-hmm. military and law enforcement. 
but I'm glad that even policing Canada, it's moving towards more like a business model. Mm -hmm. It's treating like as, you know, we respecting each yeah. other. Yes, there are ranks, but it's not like an old boys club mm -hmm. where it was, oh, I have all this rank. So you automatically must listen to me. Even if I'm stupid, you have to listen. Exactly. To yeah. It's like a rule, uh, two rules. Rule number one, your boss is always right. Rule number two, uh, if your boss is not right, look at rule number one. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, it's very paramilitary too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So. I mean, we could, I mean, honestly, we could go on all day about it. Yeah. I really appreciate you coming in and, oh, thank and, you. and talking to us. Uh, yeah, like what, just amazing ideas, man. And yeah. keep it, keep it up, please. Because I, I well, we need, we need more of that in policing for sure, yeah. because policing is taking a beating. Right. And that's in my mind, some of it's legitimate. Absolutely. Those officers need to be fucking handled. Right. Yep, 100%. But the but outside of that, the we need to work together, like regardless. And, right? and David, thank you so much. And um, I'm going to say one thing. Uh, unfortunately, there is still some officers, you know, they, they have a lot of good ideas mm -hmm. or they may not agree with their boss. Yeah. But a lot of them afraid to speak mm -hmm. up. And maybe not a lot. I don't know the number, but yeah. I heard people are still in belief that uh, it's a career suicide to speak if you up. go again, speak up, right? Yeah. So, and it blew my mind when I heard that uh, because coming to Canada, to me, I was escaping that. Mm -hmm. I was running from that. I yeah. was coming to the free society where there is respect and there is nobody. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, our system, you know, the societal system, the ranking, everything is built a way that they can impact your career. Yeah. They can if they want some dice sometimes. So I wish and I want and I hope it's not the place within mm -hmm. at least CPS. Calgary I Police hope so Service. too, man. Yeah. yeah. And I want those pe people to speak up. And yeah. I, I hope, um, I just I just want, because I, I this is how we can change each mm -hmm. other and make each other better and happier. I agree. Right? So yeah. uh, in saying that, I'm still in probation. Mm -hmm. I, I hope everything I'm saying, I'm not going to get in trouble. And I, I don't think so. And you know what? I'm, I'm not. Because Asking myself, that's just my uh, prejudice from coming from mm -hmm. that part of the world yeah. where I was afraid, right? Yeah. So it's still in there. It's almost mm -hmm. like not PTSD, but it's al it's it's still oh, there. I right? think it might be borderline PTSD for yeah, sure. Yeah. Right? So um, in saying that, I, 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 I'm sure it's not because mm -hmm. asking myself, like I know I'm going to leave uh, here and I'm going to ask myself, if I feel scared, I'll ask mm -hmm. myself, did I mean or did I say anything that's wrong or against the law? No, no. we're discussing good things. Yeah, good for yeah. everyone. So the the answer is no. We yeah. shouldn't be afraid. We no. should we should be able. That's why that's the beauty of our society. Yeah, I agree with you, and that's why that's why it's important to have these conversations. Yes, is because we have we might have made up ideas as to why we should be afraid not to talk about this stuff. Right. For sure, we all have that. Is this the right stuff to talk about? Like that that tinge of am i being is this is this okay to to address right? right and but i think like everything we talked about was stuff that i bet you most of the executive would agree with right, right. like 100%. I, and i'm not saying that they have to agree right they could disagree as well um but we're not talking about anyone in no. particular i mean to be honest i have more hope for this chief than i yes. have in a while right 100%. like and it's not because i think rah, 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 please. I think this is different. Mm -hmm. This, this person's different. He's yeah. trying like, yes. and so are the rest of the members. Right. Not obviously not all. There's always assholes, right. Yeah. Who just want to keep being assholes and mm -hmm. they don't want to stop because it's how they've always done it. Right? right. And that's fair. 
because we need all that to make democracy happen. Yes. Right. We need the the, the counterpoints. We right. need the um, different information from different perspectives. But I think what we also need is that ability to be open. Right. And the feeling, like you said, if we feel like we can't be open about this, okay, well then what's happening? Right. Right. Yeah. Who's squashing this? Yes. You know. Um, yeah. Thank you so much, man. Yeah. I, I really you. appreciate you coming in. Thank you. You're Me welcome. Too. Thanks so much. Yeah, yeah. dude.